0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining me for session three of the series that I am calling Body, Soul, and Spirit. Last week, we looked at the challenges of our body when we let the desires of our five senses, or our physical body, tempt us so that the spirit can't lead our tripartite being. Remember, the tripartite being comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God created us to have a tripartite being also. Well, typically, our body temptations lead us to sin, not just in our body, but also in our soul. So we're going to look at the soul today. It's our soul that gives us our personality. Our soul helps us to live in relationships with God and with other people and within ourselves. Our soul likely has three components. Our mind... Our will and our emotions. It's our soul that Satan really wants. We are in a battle for our soul. Satan wants it, and he will make every effort to steal it, but the Holy Spirit wants our soul also, and the Holy Spirit draws us to him, and so we're in constant conflict between who is going to control our soul. So I want you to think for a moment about the greatest struggles you feel in your soul. Would it be in your thought life, your emotions, or your will? and kind of think of that in a continuum. So if on one side of the continuum is lack of control in your thoughts, and on the other side of the continuum is spirit controlled Where are you? Where are you with your thoughts and your emotions and your will? So be thinking about that as we continue our discussion today. So we're looking, first of all, at the part of the soul that is called the mind. Well, what is the mind and how is it different from the brain? The mind houses our faculties for thinking, for evaluating, for deciding, and for remembering. It's seen through our emotions, through the things that come to mind from our memory bank, from our desires, from our ability or inability to be reasonable, to make good choices, our motivation, our sensations. It's our personality and our consciousness. The mind is not the brain. The mind uses the brain, and then the brain responds to the mind. The mind changes the brain. That's called neuroplasticity. This ability to change our brain by the way that we think. The mind is the energy of the brain. We generate energy through our mind in action. Our mind in action. Every second of the day, when the mind is at work through our thinking, our feeling, and our choosing, we build thoughts, and those thoughts become physical structures in the brain. That's how very important it is to get our thoughts under control. What we think about affects us both physically and emotionally. You know, we have, the numbers vary according to neuroscientists, but somewhere between 30,000 and 50,000 thoughts a day. If those thoughts go unchecked and we're not controlling what we're thinking, we open ourselves to creating conditions for illness. And we don't want that. Think about the effects that worry has on your body and anxiety and fear that's all unchecked. Our unchecked thoughts will lead to unchecked emotions which will lead to unchecked actions. The reality is our negative thoughts change the chemical makeup of the brain. Every thought changes the chemical makeup of the brain. So positive thoughts give you a hit of dopamine. Have you had any of those hits today? Has somebody sort of built you up and given you some compliments and made you feel really good about something that you did, something that you said, or the way that you look? Well, those are hits of dopamine are thoughts that are working in the neural pathways of the brain. We have billions of those. If we get stuck with negative thoughts, then we're building up those neural pathways that are the negative neural pathways, and they're eventually going to develop strongholds in our life. We will begin to dwell on those things, and they will become our default thinking, and we will be stuck. We start to believe the lies that we are feeding ourselves. Through our thoughts, so if you've been believing lies about yourself for a long time, then you're living in the strongholds, and it takes a long time to deprogram those. And we're going to look at that today because that is how Satan wants to steal your brain, your mind. He wants you to think all those negative things about yourself. He wants you to build those neural pathways that are going to create ugly things in your brain. So I want to us to look at where those. May be in your life. What are those negative thinking patterns that have turned into strongholds? What is the top mindset that is holding you back? Think about what might be preventing you from having the full flow of the Holy Spirit in your soul. Are you telling yourself, I'm just not good enough. I, I never feel a sense of peace and my upbringing is keeping me back. I never feel pretty. I'm not very lovable. I don't deserve good things, or I will never overcome this addiction, I will never be healthy. Or you might be saying things like, I've tried to get close to God, but it doesn't really work, and my prayer life never really gets off the floor, it just never really goes anywhere. Or are you living in these mindsets where you know that you're very judgmental, or you are prone to fits of anger, or that you're having trouble forgiving. See, those are things that you're telling yourself that are building neural pathways in the brain, and they are developing strongholds in your life, and that means that Satan is winning the war for your mind. Well, think for a moment about what your stronghold is. And you might want to pause this just so you can think for a moment and write that down because we're going to do something with that in just a minute. See, strongholds are not part of God's plan for our mind and our body. And how do I know that? I go to Scripture to confirm that. Two biblical principles tell us how important our mind is. One is found in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. It's this concept of capturing our thoughts. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, that scripture tells us that there are arguments and there are pretensions that are setting themselves up in our mind because that's what Satan wants to do. But scripture tells us no. we are to take those thoughts captive. We're to let Christ control those, those thoughts that we have. And when we do, when we allow Christ to control the thoughts, we are going to have better control of our emotions and our actions. And then Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, that we need to renew our mind. We we capture the thoughts, and then we need to be in constant renewal of our mind and get off of that destructive path of strongholds. So it tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the reason, that you prove what is good and acceptable, and the perfect will of God." Be in constant mode of capturing, taking those thoughts, holding those thoughts, uh, and holding those thoughts and giving them over to Christ, and then constant renewal. So when we are capturing those thoughts and we are renewing those thoughts, we are using our mind as God would have us to do, and that means we will respond appropriately instead of reacting inappropriately. And those are our two choices: we are going to respond, or we're going to react. When we react, that means we we react to something that somebody else does or to an experience, and we move from thought right into emotion and right into action so if we interpret a situation or words negatively then the resulting emotion is likely going to be this self-defeating emotion it means that we are not in control we're not responding as god would have us to do we're having a knee-jerk reaction but when we respond we practice deliberately choosing to think rationally. This is a positive, Christ centered, proactive approach. We respond instead of react. And the opposite is just to live on the whims of the day, to follow that emotional roller coaster of reactions, much like animals do, because they live in the world of reaction. Well, how do we begin this process then of renewing our minds and capturing those thoughts? Paul is going to give us a steadfast method in the book of philippians he's going to tell us to fix those thoughts on the right things and when we do we when we do that we will not be acting with wrong things. He tells us in Philippians 4, 8, I teach this so often. I talk about it all the time. I practice it. I encourage you to work on memorizing this, but it says to fix our thought. And then we have a list of eight things. Think about what those are, whatever's true and whatever's honorable and right and whatever is pure and lovely. And then whatever is excellent and worthy of praise. That's what we think about when we center our thoughts on all of those eight things. Then we don't have to capture anything. They're already there, captivated by Christ. God wants us to think on the right things, the true things, and not the things that Satan wants us to believe about others and about ourselves. God gives us clear guidelines for filtering our thoughts so that we'll have a healthy mind and a healthy body but it means the Spirit will need to lead us in order for that to happen. So now that you've identified your own stronghold, which is an unhealthy belief pattern that's preventing the flow of the Spirit in your life, let's see how to get rid of those. What are the spiritual truths that demolish your stronghold. So you've identified your stronghold, and now we're going to look at spiritual truths that are going to demolish them, as scripture says should be happening. So truth is going to set us free and lies, and the strongholds are gonna keep us in bondage. So again, identify the stronghold, and then write a statement that creates this positive biblical energy that is going to reflect the truth of God, And we're going to call that your declaration for renewing your mind. You're making a declaration today to get rid of the stronghold and to live in God's promises and in the truth of scripture as outlined in Philippians 4 verse 8. You're going to declare what is true instead of believing the lies. So you write your declaration and then you're going to think it. You're going to say it, you're going to write it, and you're going to confess it until you believe it. And when you start doing this, you are giving up the stronghold to Christ, and that's going to create new neural pathways in your brain, and eventually you are going to believe it. That is a promise. It's a promise of Scripture, and it's supported by science. So let me give you some examples of declarations based on struggle. So I'm just going to give some that many, many out there may be uh, struggling with. So here's a struggle. So write on a piece of paper, struggle. And then you might write something like this. I struggle with insecurity and a lack of confidence. And so that's a stronghold that's preventing you from moving forward in your faith. It's preventing the flow of the Holy Spirit through your body. Because <laughs> not only are you thinking that, you're acting on that. And your emotions are reflected in that thought pattern. So here's going to be a declaration. My confidence is in Christ who fearfully and wonderfully made me. And he gives me the strength to do what he wants me to do. And I claim his promise to guide me. That would be your declaration. Let's say you're struggling with unhealthy thought patterns about other people. And that has a hold of you and it's negative thinking pattern that is becoming your identity. And so you want to make a declaration, I will not live in a hostage pattern of thinking, negative thoughts. I will think on the things of God. I will think about whatever is true and right and honorable and pure and lovely and worthy of praise. I'm going to think on those things. Let's say you struggle with finding comfort in food in a very unhealthy way. And so your declaration may sound something like this. When I am stressed, I will turn to God and not food. He is my comforter, my strength, and my strong fortress. I will have a new relationship with food by seeing it as a way to care for my body and not destroy it. Maybe you're struggling with worry. And so, you might say this as your declaration to move into a positive direction. Because I'm a child of God, I will not give in to worry. I will cast my fear on Him. I will live in peace because He promises to take my burdens. Maybe you're struggling with anger and that is your stronghold, that you think those thoughts that immediately send you into a fit of anger and an emotional outburst. And so, you make a declaration that gives the promise that you are are no longer going to give in to the fits of anger. And it may sound like this to begin with, I will live in peace and not anger. I will control my tendency to lash out by responding instead of reacting. I will recognize the warning signs God provides me when I'm about to lose control. Maybe you struggle with a judgmental attitude and so you make a declaration, I will see others as Christ sees them. I will not see myself as better than others. I will extend the love and mercy and grace to others that Jesus extends to me. So those are examples to use. Be thinking about your stronghold and the declaration you want to make to let go of the bondage of that stronghold so that you will feel the full power of the Holy Spirit within you and not be blocking your blessings. You know, here, here is my own struggle. I'm a striver. You know, I strive for excellence in all areas of my life. Now, I did move away from this idea things need to be perfect and that I need to be perfect because I have realized I am not God. And so, I am moving away from that, but I am still struggling with the perfection sister of striving for excellence. I know that setting high goals means that we are more likely to get there. And so, I do expect excellence in my life and excellent mean, excellence means going beyond the ordinary. it means putting in the hard work and the time and, and doing all of the extra things that are needed to make things excellent in my life. it served me very well in my education and in my professional life it served me well in ministry because I have a desire for excellence in the ministries I lead uh, the premier one being the women of worth this wow beautiful wow ministry that I'm leading that now has has 200 active members, and I really put in a lot of effort to have this ministry to be excellent because we serve an excellent God. So I put a lot into my relationships because I want excellence in my relationships. I'm not expecting everybody to be perfect in my family or in my friend group, but it does mean that I want to have meaningful relationships. So I become very, um, very focused on making those wonderful, meaningful relationships. And it's worked so well in my family, especially that to have meaningful relationships because I've poured a lot into those relationships and I'm thankful for that. But striving for excellence in all these areas means that I often get disappointed. You know, excellence in the marketplace is one of those examples because servers don't always seem to care about their job. So I end up getting a little disappointed uh, at maybe restaurants and clerks that don't have excellence and don't pay attention to detail and, and to don't make the other people, the people they're serving, feel important. I get disappointed. And, and when I'm striving for a- excellence in my own life and I place big expectations on my own life, I get pressured, I feel pressure. It's self-imposed pressure. And so my striving then could lead me to putting more time into projects, into efforts than perhaps I need to. And I struggle with knowing when good enough is enough. And so, just for examples, when I'm, when I'm preparing and I'm studying, I sometimes overstudy and overwrite and overdo in order to have excellence in all things. I have trouble turning my mind off. I'm always thinking of a way to make a lesson better or to do something a little bit differently to make it have uh, this real look of excellence. And after teaching this in this ministry for 16 years, it's a challenge to keep things new and fresh and using the same source, the Bible. And so I'm working on the stronghold of striving. You see, our areas that we are struggling with for strongholds will have a flip side of things that are wonderful and beautiful, and then there is the side where it gets control of us. And so I have to make declarations. So I, here are my declarations. I love Christ with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, as Scripture says. I love my family and strive to, to, to guide and to seek to serve them as God sees best. And I will use my personality and my spirit spiritual gifts and my talents and life experiences to serve and please God, and I will lead and teach with passion and discipline and hear God say, well done. I will recognize the difference between excellence and perfection and ask God to help me to know when good enough is enough. And that's my declaration. What is yours? Pause now and write something there for yours. Think about it. It takes some thought. It takes some soul searching. It takes self-reflection and that is good and healthy and it really is good for our brain to think deeply like that. After you've written your statement, internalize it. And here's how you internalize it. You are going to say, I declare What is true about me instead of believing lies. I will think it, I will say it, I will write it, I will confess it, and I will believe it. Those are the important things to do. This is something you will do daily for a long time. You will do it until it is showing up in your life. That is the healthy practice of renewing your mind and capturing your thoughts. That's how it looks. This is a science-driven method because it works on the mind and the brain, and it's a biblical concept. So have this written down. Keep it on a card. Keep it on your phone, wherever your notes are, wherever you're going to see it. You are going to declare this is the new truth in your life, and you act it in being. And so this is what our number one tip and strategy is for getting control of our thoughts in our mind area. If our thoughts eventually show up in our words and actions, then the first step of changing our actions is is to change our thoughts. So let's see how this plays out in everyday life because I want us to look at what's called the cognitive triangle. If you have one of my handouts, you're going to see a visual of that. The cognitive triangle shows how thoughts, emotions, and our actions are so interconnected. And so this is going to show how if you change your thoughts, you're going to change the way you feel and the way you behave. So our thoughts, these are how we interpret situation. For example, let's say a stranger is looking at you with an angry expression and and you automatically say, oh, what did I do wrong? Or, Or you can say, maybe they're just having a bad day. So whichever route you go will show up as an emotion. It can be a happy one, a sad one, an angry one, a worried one, or a whole list of other kinds of emotions. All these emotions have a physical component as well as a mental Component, And so it's going to affect your energy level. So when you feel sad, you have a lower energy level. Or maybe you get a stomach ache because these things have made you nervous. So a thought translates into an emotion that has a physical component to it. And those things lead into behavior. These are actions about how you respond or react to a situation, and so it means that you say something or you do something or you choose not to do something based on what you thought, how you felt about it, and then what you do. Now, these affect us, but they also affect others. How you think about a problem can affect how you feel physically and emotionally, and it can alter what you do about it. There are helpful and unhelpful ways to react to most situations depending on how you think about them. So at the top we have situation and underneath that you have a triangle and it's a triangle that forms a, a circle, a loop. It is the thought emotions and actions, and they're all connected. So if your thoughts about your circumstances are not centered on truth, then those thoughts are going to lead to this vis- visual cycle of untrue thoughts that lead to unhealthy emotions that lead to unhelpful actions. And all of this happens because we don't let our spirit control our soul. We don't let God's spirit connect to our spirit to control our soul. We're not thinking on these things. Truth. Instead, emotions. Emotions rule us. And we're looking at the, the physical aspect of this. And that is our emotions override our reason. And there's a part in the brain we're going to look at in a minute that shows us how this vicious circle can happen. Because when we get distressed and we act in unhelpful ways, we're more likely to jump to conclusions and interpret things in extreme and unhelpful ways. Well, what is the consequence of this? This bad behavior from bad thoughts and bad emotions when we lose our connection to the Holy Spirit and our body and our soul are out of alignment. So think of your own situations where you've had some faulty thinking that led to improper emotional reactions that led to you feeling as if you've separated yourself from God's purpose and his will in your life. So what do you do, what do you do when that bad thought enters into your mind? You replace it. You do these three things, they all begin with an R. Number one is you rename it. You tell yourself, that this angry thought, this ugly thought, this negative thought is bad and it is ungodly and it is unkind. You give it that name, you tag it with a name, a label that is speaking the truth. And secondly, you reframe it. You take that thought and you look at the situation differently. You focus on the good or the positive of the moment. You focus on something that's distracting and get your mind away from what is evil and focus back on the truth. And number three, you redirect your actions. So you do something that is uplifting or fun or encouraging, helpful, hopeful, and God centered so that you are completely taking that thought captive. And you're literally doing something with it in your body, in your brain, in your mind. That's how we deal with our thoughts that lead to a stronghold. Now, let's get the connection between our mind and our emotions. Our thoughts generate feelings that we act on. And the action gives us some kind of result. It can be good or bad depending on what the thoughts are. And when we change our thoughts, our feelings change, and then the actions are going to be differently. So now we've looked at the mind, the first part of the soul. So now let's move to the emotions. Here's what emotions are they are subjective indicators of objective experiences. Our emotional responses are rooted in how we interpret what we're observing. With our five senses. When your interpretations change, your emotions change. So you are not a victim of your emotions. You can shape them by the way you choose to think. So your job is to keep your emotions spiraling upward instead of down. It's your responsibility to become good at interpreting the circumstances in your life being aware, being focused so that you can remain empowered to improve them without emotionally spiraling out of control. You can always tell people who are in control and who let the Holy Spirit lead when, because they don't spiral out of control. Well, what happens when we program emotional triggers into our memory? You know, we recently installed a ring doorbell So, it notifies us both when someone rings our doorbell or when someone is just approaching the door. Well, not too long ago, we were awakened in the middle of the night by the ring notification that motion was detected at the door. An intruder in the middle of the night. Uh, So, we looked at the app on the phone to get a glimpse of the intruder. Nothing oh this must be a sly and scary one well as my husband was making his way to the door uh, ready for whatever might come the alarm sounded again just in time for him to see a bird fly all around the porch sending a notice to the alarm system the program alarm system went off for no good reason that happens in our emotional life too We can program ourselves to act in certain ways emotionally, even if that reaction is not based on reality. So somebody that you are having a uh, sort of a sketchy relationship with or that it's not tight, it is one that you are on alert all the time. And they approach you, are sitting on ready. You've programmed yourself to react in a certain way. A topic for discussion comes up, and you've programmed yourself to react in a certain way. Well, emotions are not always based on the truth. We can deny our emotions, but we can't fully trust them either. We can't just deny our emotions, but we can't fully trust them either. Emotions allow you to feel what you're thinking about at the moment. So our thoughts may not have a feeling attached to it, but repeated intense thoughts can pull you down and cause you to spiral emotionally and do what is called flipping your lid. Because you can control your thoughts though, you can control your emotions. So what happens when you don't control your thoughts? Well, your body responds your brain responds so here's how it works in our body so we get the soul and body connection once again god created specific parts of our brain to help us with this ability to both have reason and and emotional regulation so we're uh, if you again are looking at your notes you're going to see three words that describe parts of the body the first one is the prefrontal cortex it's also called the wise owl because it's the home of our reason this is the part of the brain that helps us make smart decisions it's the part of the brain that helps you to think before you act and when this part is out of control then you don't feel safe. But when it's in control, you feel calm, you feel relaxed, you feel safe. So this wise owl prefrontal cortex of your brain helps you to make smart choices. And then there's the hippocampus, and that's called the memory elephant. This part of the brain helps us to remember things. It saves both the old and the new memories and helps us to learn from those. It helps us to decide on what to do next based on the past experiences. And then there's the amygdala. We also call it the guard dog. This part of the brain helps us to feel our emotions. It's an almond-shaped part of our brain. It helps us to, to keep safe and to guard us against things that could hurt us because it tells us when to it's our fight. Fight, flight, and freeze part where we sense danger. So it's telling us what to do when we sense danger coming to us. So when we are thinking the way God designed us to think and our brain is working efficiently in that upper brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, then he is communicating then with the midbrain those the memory and emotion areas and then we're processing things logically with reason But when we choose to bypass and aren't logically thinking on these things, as Philippians 4, 8 said, we choose to react instead of respond. And then we have an overactive emotional response and we flip our lid. That means we're out of alignment. The soul has uh, taken over the lead of the spirit. And so here's how it looks. Uh, You make a fist. Inside this fist is the uh, amygdala. That is this almond-shaped part right here, the lower brain. And uh, this is the midbrain. And when we close this over, then we see that the prefrontal cortex is over the emotional part and the memory part of our brain. This is our set point. When we overreact and we let our emotions override our ability to reason, we say we flipped our lid. And when we flip, we cause a disruption. We disrupt our brain, our body, our soul, and our spirit. If we flip to others, then we inflict hurt and pain. And the longer we stay flipped, the longer we wait to reset, and the more likely we are to harm our witness and harm our body and harm our relationships. Isn't it amazing how God created our brain to protect us and to help us? And it's all centered on how we think. We want to reset from a flip as soon as possible. We are resetting our mind, our body, and our soul when we go back to our set point, the way God created us. And when we do, we want to reset those relationships because other people have been the victim of our flipped point. And they have been the victim of our emotional outburst. And then we want to reset our relationship with God. Here are three truths about our emotions. Number one, you're always going to feel what you dwell on. <clears throat> Number two, just as you can overcome evil with good, because scripture tells us that, you can replace negative thinking with positive thinking and change how you feel. And number three, because God has designed us to change, you can act your way into the feelings you desire. You know, my father taught me that at a young age. He says you can act your way into feeling differently. We can use our behavior and our actions to move us to feel the way God wants us to feel. Feelings are just Spontaneous responses. The word emotion is 86% motion. What do we do to better control our emotional life? First of all, we stay in the God-given brain set point with our reason acting ahead of our emotions. And we let our spirit part of our being connect to God's spirit So that can lead our body, our mind, our emotions. Well, then we look at the third part of our soul, and that is our will. Are we letting our will let the Spirit lead us? So our will is what gives us the ability to make choices. We have a free will to decide if we will follow God's Spirit or not. We get to choose that. So, do we practice choosing God's will or our self-will? Here are our definitions. God's will is defined as the actions taken or words spoken based on love, selflessness, honesty, and purity. But our self-will is the action taken or the words spoken with our ego and a determination to have our own way to get what we desire. So, where are we on the spectrum of self-will and God's will? Are we listening to God's will to lead us? You know, the New Testament warns us about ignoring the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not stifle the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we quench or we stifle the Spirit... We're trying to silence what God is trying to say to us to motivate us to do something by the Holy Spirit's prompting. Our stubborn will silences God. Our submissive will listens to Him. When Stephen was on trial for his faith in Christ, he bluntly told the Jewish leaders this. We read it in Acts 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people... Uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. So what we know about ancient Israel's history is that this was true for the Israelites. They resisted God at every step of the way, so God allowed them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation was gone. God sometimes puts us in the wilderness by our own choices. We might stay in the wilderness until we resist listening to our self-will and listen to the Holy Spirit and His power. Are you stiff-necked and stubborn and unyielding in any area of your life? Go back and look at the stronghold, the lies that you may be believing. Are your thoughts or emotions resisting the pull of the Holy Spirit? If so, you are in your own wilderness. Jesus told us his greatest commandment is to let go of stubborn strongholds and to love. We read in Mark 12, verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You see, we can only do that if we give up the strongholds, if we give up the negative thinking, if we give up our stubborn will, if we let go of those unhealthy reactions and those emotions. It is only then that we can fully love God. Jesus said, this is the great commandment. We're to love him with all parts of our being 100% in. How does that look? Love is supposed to show up in what we think, feel, say, and do. The way to love the Lord with all of your heart is to keep his commandments, which means we obey his word and do what he says, loving the Lord God with all of our mind. The way to do that is to constantly renew our mind and to capture the thoughts. When negativity and fearful and moral thoughts or sinful actions play in the mind, like a matinee performance, We want to make the choice to cast them out quickly and renew our mind. And when we do this and live according to His Word, we are then going to experience the pure joy and peace that He wants us to have. Let's look at the connection of the mind, the will, the emotions, and the body so that we can see the importance of keeping our soul centered on God. We need a transformation of the soul. The soul is what God wants to control. He will direct our minds, our emotions, and our soul. Romans 8 tells us there are two kinds of people those who are dominated by the sinful nature, and those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. We read in Romans 8, verses 5 through 8 those who are dominated by the sinful nature think. About sinful things but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think things that are pleasing to the Spirit so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace for the sinful nature is always hostile to God it never did obey God's laws and it never will That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. God gives us a choice about whether to be controlled by our sinful thoughts, emotions, and will, or to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Daily, we need to deny our sinful nature and choose the Spirit. Daily, we go to God through prayer and supplication. Neuroscientist and Christian Dr. Caroline Leaf says this, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Daily going to God in prayer and supplication can change the brain and scripture tells us it changes the heart and the soul and the mind. How's that for a body, brain, and spirit connection? Let's make a commitment to God that we're going to let Him handle our mind, our emotions, and our will. And it may sound something like this, amygdala, I'm no longer gonna let you tell me to panic over things that God will help me handle. I will no longer believe you when you tell me to worry and be fearful I will trust God to let me live the way He wants me to live and to live in the reset mold with my prefrontal cortex covering the emotional aspect of my life so God can lead me to have the emotions I need to have. I will think on whatever is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and excellent and worthy of pla- pla- praise. And I will not let my sinful nature run my mind. And as we move toward this transformation, we have this realization, I will do what I can do. I will give God what I can't do, and I will trust God no matter what. And for those strongholds, I will make a declaration, and I will declare what is true instead of believing lies. I will think it, I will say it, I will write it, I will confess it, and I will believe it. I will choose to let the Holy Spirit lead my soul and body. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you created us in this tripartite being. And what you ask of us is to give all of it to you. Help us today to give you our thoughts, to give you our stubborn will, and to give you our emotions that are often unhinged. Help us to make a declaration of truth. And help us, Lord, then to see the results, the fruits of our labor, and give you all the praise for doing a good work in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me. See you next week.